Welcome back to Onto the Ball. I'm your host, Scott, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis, and Naz, Man United fan, is joining us again for the Manchester derby. Why will my microphone not stay where it should? Um, how are you doing, lads? Is okay? He's looking forward to tomorrow's game. I'll let you go, Travis. <laughs> <I'm a teammate>. Silence. <laughs> Absolutely. Silence is <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I am looking forward to the game. Uh, I always have this thing with United that in the derby, something will happen. And yeah. last season it did. I think something will, could happen again. Could spark the season, but oh, I don't know what else to say regarding that. <laughs> struggling. I, think, I, I mean, I don't want to... It sounds a bit like a cliche, but if there's one game that I can say form goes out the window, it's the Manchester derby. Yeah. This is literally a game where anything could happen. I mean, look at the results in the last five years, I'd say. I mean, I ain't got them to hand, but Ollie pulled off a few wins. You yeah. beat them 2-1 last year with that mad offside decision. Um, so it is one of them where just anything could happen. And that's what makes it such a spectacle for a, a neutral to watch. Um, but I'm looking forward to this poddy for the next half hour, at least, I'm sure, for you two to thrash it out because I feel like it's good cop, bad cop. Trav is firmly still in the Ten Hag out. Um, Naz, has your stance changed in the last two weeks? Um, I did notice your tweet the other night. And I wasn't sure if it was a little dig at Trav. It was something okay. along the lines of just enjoy the win. And I thought, no, no. and I looked at Trav's tweet and I was like, Trav, Trav's not enjoying the win. That <laughs> was a dig. Trav, Trav knows who that dig was for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't at Trav. Yeah. <laughs> ah, nice one. Um, let, let's just quickly give a mention to the last game, uh, Sheffield United. It was a bit of a mad one. Trav, you weren't all happy with the performance even though you got the WA. No, no, I wasn't happy with the performance, really. I mean, it was just probably another example of, of a list that's sort of building now against, I would say, not even inferior opposition, opposition that you know are going to be scrapping for relegation come towards the end of the season. And I'm not saying Sheffield United dominated from start to finish. I'd say we the first half was, was pretty abysmal and we did get better in the second half of football that we gained more control over it. But you still went away from the game with, although we won and it's good to get the three points because without a doubt, I think Ten Hag, not just him, but the coaching staff and everybody involved do need results now. There's still this element of feeling a little bit dissatisfied with the way that we're playing and the way that we're picking up these results and and that feeling of like sort of unsustainability. That's, that's how I felt. I thought we literally can't, keep performing like this from now until May because it just feels like it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. But I did say a couple of weeks ago as well, I think I was on the podcast with you two boys, that because the football is the way it is, I am just literally happy to win. It doesn't mean I think Ten Hag's like doing amazing now because he's picking up results. But if, if you're going to play bad, you might as well win and play bad. There's no point playing bad and losing. So it's the small sort of consolation I'm taking away from the situation at the moment. Naz, where are you after the last two weeks? Um, I'm still maintaining we've still got injuries. Ten Hag likes to play out from the back. Our front is not firing. I think um, last season when Rashford was the main man, he knew his his role was to get down that wing, cut in, score. Now he's got Hoyland in. I think dynamics change. It's going to take a little while to, for it to work. But just watching that Sheffield United game, I agree mainly with Trav on that, what he said. If you're going to win, if 
and play bad, win ugly. And that's what they did. Now, 100%, it's not sustainable. Exactly what Trav said on that point as well. Something needs to change and it needs to change quick. Um, if Ten Hag is going to change his philosophy, then so be it, to fit the team. Um, but how long we can ride that excuse is not going to run until the end of the season without something happening. And really? I don't mean it being sacked. I mean, maybe like a, a backroom shuffle, bring in um, some coaches that we've had maybe in the past, like Rene Mullistein, for instance, who knew the team, how the club was, how the, how the club played. Because we're always talking about, oh, when we're, trying, yeah, when we're trying to get the United way and all that. But the last couple of weeks, okay, we've won three games in a row. Got lucky against... Uh, Brentford. Brentford. And Brent, something needs to change. And I think if we win tomorrow, if it could be a big. You're buffering quite a bit, Naz, and freezing. Oh. Um, can, we, can you hear me? I've okay got now? a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure if it just comes and goes. I've got yeah. a question for you, Naz. Uh, I was thinking it on the way home, obviously, what I'm going to ask you on the poddy. <clears> um, and I need to word it right. Can you give up on top four this season? So get to a point where you say top four's gone and still be Ten Hag in? Well, yeah, because if we get fifth, we're in Champions League. Oh, sorry, okay, okay. Well, top that was five. That was clever. He had that one up his sleeve there, didn't he? he Rolling out the top five just when you need it most. All right, top no. five. Can you say we're not qualifying for the Champions League? Um Giving it up, like we're, we're just so bad, nothing's coming together. We're going to finish seventh, eighth, whatever. It's almost right off the season, a bit like Chelsea did by Christmas last season. Um, Can you admit that and still be Ten Hag in? That's my question. I think you can. I think you can. If there's a clear style of play after he gets all of the injured players back, if there's a clear style of play that he's going for and it's working, but people need to adapt to it, then yes, I can. Because don't people don't. Don't forget, Arteta finished eighth twice, twice in two seasons. Third season, he finished fifth. They're still stuck with him. And last season, look what he did. So it can happen. I don't. I'm not one of these people that you know we need to keep chopping and changing the managers because Joe Bloggs will come in and he'll want to bring in his new players and think the players that Ten Hag signed, which is quite a few, are not good enough. And then we're back in that cycle again. So I do think we need to give him time. If it does mean we drop out of Europe, we drop out of Europe. But if there's a clear style of play and a direction that the club's going in, then fair enough. I mean, Liverpool did it with Klopp, but they did it at a much accelerated pace and it worked for them. So I'm just hoping... I, don't, I think that's what I was thinking of, Naz. Like, obviously, we we put a lot back to Klopp and a little bit to Arteta now. Like you just said, they stuck with him. But I'm not sure... I mean, Trav, you might be able to... You're in a slightly different camp. You've got a little bit less patience um, with Ten Hag at the minute. Hmm. Can you do as well as he did last season... And then have this drop off now and still recover in year three. I don't think he can. I think Ten Hag's done, as we mentioned on our party a couple of weeks ago. I don't think I think he's like Unai Emery at Arsenal. I think he's he's fluffed it big time and he's not gonna recover from this. There's a couple of things that worry me about Ten Hag at the moment. The first thing is like the injuries that we mentioned, and we did and we did have a lot of injuries, and we still have got a few injuries. But when I think about the injuries that can actually impact the first team, 
I only think Malassia and Shaw get into the starting eleven. Like everybody else to me is there. Like Wan Basaka might come in for Dallo, but I think he's splitting hairs with that. Varan Anana, I look at the rest of the team. Casemiro's just picked up a knock now. Well, you've got Amrabat, Mount, who's his, his big money signing, who's the number seven, got the number seven shirt. He's not playing. Like, why is he not playing? So whether wh whatever his role is going to be, whether that's wide on the right, whether that's in the cam with Bruno, whether it's for Bruno, whether it's wide off the left of an informed Rashford, he's not starting games anymore. So I think for him, he must become a little bit disillusioned. Anthony's had his case, just rock straight back into the team. I it, it doesn't look like from an outsider he's earned his place back in the team at all. Hoyland is obviously playing now. So in terms of the actual impact on the performances, I don't know how many injured players are going to come back in and sort of transform and revolutionise these performances. The second thing I worry about is that I see... I'm not, again, not defending Jaden Sancho at all because I don't know the ins and outs. So I'm not going to comment on that situation. But I am seeing like players, like another player I can give an example of is Hannibal. He actually came in for like two or three games. Some of them were starts, couple coming off the bench. And I know he's a young lad and he should be rotated. But he actually didn't deserve to come out of the team or come out of the reckoning. Like he's not even getting minutes like off the bench now. And like McTominay scored these two late goals against Brentford and he's starting. So I'm seeing a very reactive manager. Like I, it doesn't look like he's got sort of a premeditated plan going into games. I see a lot of panic and like people are rescuing results or, and then he's in the team again. And it's just like, to me, it just seems like he's gone away from his actual principles because I'm sure he's got principles. This isn't me saying Ten Hag's an absolute washed up bum, by the way. He's not. He's not a good coach but like I'm seeing him panicking and this this comes back to like the pressure of managing an elite club like Pep Guardiola and Klopp are I think the two elite managers in the league and I think there's a pool of managers I think Arteta is probably slightly above the rest of them he's going into that elite bracket if he carries on and then underneath that there's like a mixture of managers who you'd probably say from an overall package perspective or more or less around the same sort of level. And Tenag, to me, is just showing signs of cracking under the pressure. So for me, it's going to be difficult for him to turn this around. Um, Naz, tomorrow this game, Man City. I mean, let's be honest, they've not been firing on all cylinders. They had a <laughs> sticky game last week against Brighton. Uh, I watched it on the plane the first half anyway on the way home. Um, they sourced, they brightened Brighton in the first half, we were passing them off the park. It was wonderful to watch. And then by the time I landed and got all the suitcases and all that, and I seen it was 2-1 and they were hanging on in the end, that was following two league defeats, Arsenal and Wolves. They're not exactly firing on all cylinders. Is it realistic to think that tomorrow could be a springboard for Man United season? Um, and Trav just mentioned him there, Hoyland. He hasn't scored a league goal yet, has he? He needs one pretty fast, doesn't he? <clears throat> he does. Um I do agree it can be a springboard for United, but it could also be a springboard for City because yeah. they haven't been they haven't been performing well. Mm. They're leaking goals and, and City don't usually leak goals. They always have a like a patchy start to the season and then they just go on some stupid 20, 30 game unbeaten run and they, they string those results together. But <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I've got a bit of a cold. No, you're right. Um it could I'm hoping it will. 
Springboard United. Um, the energy is <laughs> going to be there. It's at Old Trafford. It's at Old Trafford. Hoyland, Hoyland hasn't scored, but he's done some good play. He's done some very, very good play. Um, he scored three goals in the Champions League already. He hasn't reflected that in uh, the Premier League because it's a bit more physical than the Champions League, I believe. And you can get away with more tackles as like defenders than you can do in Europe. If I could just touch on what Trav said as well, like the bits where Hannibal's been taken out and things like that, I agree. He was playing really, really well and it worked in that midfield. He gave a bit more energy. Players are coming out. People like Mount, we've signed for 60 million, but Anthony gets in. Mount can play on the right. He's done it for Chelsea. Why not just try him? And tomorrow especially, I know Anthony will be in there because he scored in the last one away to City when we got hammered 6-3 or whatever it was. Um, having someone that knows that type of English rivalry, yeah, someone that's from here, will know what the temperatures are going to be like in that stadium. You're at home. You're uh, an English-born player. There's going to be a little bit of fight, and I would like to see a bit more homegrown players in that team. Yeah, because people like um, Garnacho, I know we've going from Atletico, Palestri. These guys are hungry. Hannibal's come through the ranks. Mount's come through the ranks at Chelsea. We need these type of players to be in there that know what that is going to be about. I'm I'm missing Luke Shaw because Luke Shaw epitomises that. He always puts 110% in. Um, I know we've got Rashford, but I love Rashford to bits, but sometimes in games like this, he can go missing. And I just hope, just hope that the midfield works for him. Come on, United. <laughs> That's all I can say. I just tomorrow. I'm just. It's gonna go one of two ways. It's gonna be a ground out by one goal for either team victory, or City are gonna steamroll us. Um, that took the words out of my mouth, Naz. If City steamroll you, and um, as Trav's mentioned, it's the style of the performances, the patterns of play, non-existent. If they slap you all over the park, do you think you could veer towards Ten Hag out? Because Trav's just mentioned, you've not got that many injuries. Yeah, the left back. Um, is Martinez back? He's not, is he? So it'll be Maguire, Maguire and Varane. Uh, Mount is back fit, but did you say he's not getting started, Trav? Did he yeah, start? Um, last three games, he's been on the bench. He's not even got on. Yeah. He's not Do you think top. you could be swayed, Naz, to be Ten Hag out if you get an absolute slapping at home in the Manchester derby? That would hurt, yeah. wouldn't it? It would hurt. It have been there before. Fergie got... Uh, annihilated at home and I mean Ten Hag we don't talk about the Anfield result last season but you know what happened <laughs> so do you know what I'm sticking by my guns by the for the end of the season and unwavering yeah. support yeah so unwavering support the manager needs the support we can't have the negativity going into that stadium going into a derby we've got Liverpool in a few weeks time in December so and that's I think that's at Anfield so we we need as much uh, of a run that we can get. So I am going to be Ten Hag in until the point where the football is going to be Ranić style. What do you yeah. think it is then, Naz? Like, from Man U fan to Man U fan, yeah? Like, yeah. I'm not going to say forget the hierarchy because I know some people do feel that the hierarchy does have an impact on, on to what's translating on the pitch. But in terms of the way Ten Hag wants to play, why do you think we've not seen it this season? Because like obviously we've had injuries, but the lack of being able to play out from the back, the fact that he's brought Anana to play out from the back and he's got that ball-playing goalkeeper, 
We're not really utilizing that. It's sort of a mixture between pressing, dropping off into like a sort of a mid block at the moment, um, going from a diamond to a midfield three to two, three, two high number eight. What do you, why do you think he's changed it so much? Why do you think he has struggled to implement his style so much? I think at the moment, this season especially, won't talk about the injury started off the first few games of the season, whatever, right? Yeah. I think he's trying to find that combination in midfield that works for him. And he knows for a fact mm-hmm. that he can't drop someone like Bruno. So what does he do? He puts Bruno out on the right when we had no right winger. Put Bruno out on the right. You don't do that. You don't put your best player out of his position. Whoever's the backup or coming in or youngsters, get someone in. I think I, try, I, try, I said it to you, Trav, in the group before. Like, for instance, when we had issues at left back and even with Regulon gone, why are you not dipping into the reserves and picking someone out from the reserves? Because then what's the mm. point of having teams below us um, in within United? What's the point of having the lower age teams if you're not going to bring them through and feed, like, drip them through? And like Kobe Maynard, for instance, like, I'm so gassed he's coming through. He, what a quality player. But then why are we not yeah. doing that when we're in desperate times when we haven't had a left back? But instead, we put a cent- central midfielder back there. But isn't that things like that? Isn't that sticking the boot in a bit on Hag a little bit, Naz? Like, it, you're basically it is saying, why is he not doing that? Why, why isn't Hag doing that? Yeah, look, I would happily criticize the manager, but it doesn't mean that I want him out. He's got his flaws, no. and I'll stand by that. No manager's perfect. Um, I don't know why he's not giving the youth a chance. It seems like Hannibal's finally got his chance, Maynard's gonna get his chance again. Um, and for me, I was just completely baffed why Palestri never got time. So I think Ten Hag, he doesn't fully trust the youngsters just yet. That's what my my um, sense on it is. I think he needs to fully trust them. They've been grown up playing United football through the academy and things like that. Let them go in, let them fit in and see what happens. What's the worst come to us? They're not going to play well. But they can't say that for the rest of the team. No one's playing well anyway, so it don't really matter, does it? Exactly. We've signed 70, 80 million pound players and they're not playing well. I mean, Onana fumbled twice in the in the um, Champions League. He's done it in the Premier League. Mount hasn't been great, but in the Carabao Cup against Palace, when he was alone without Bruno, he did well. So I think what Ten Hag needs to do is trust the players a little bit more and stop over-relying on people like Rashford and Bruno. Let them come off. Let them sit a game out. If they, it's not for him, it's for them. Because you're going to risk burning them out. And then at times, players will look clueless. They're going to be playing in that 90 minutes for some of them might be playing 60, 72 minutes too long. Mm. Take them off, get them out of the, of the limelight, let the younger ones go in and see what happens. So I do yeah, think yeah. Um, Ten Hag does have a flaw in that sort of manner. He obviously doesn't, he'd rather a Dallow or an Amrabat at left back than trusting someone from the youth setup. And, exactly. you know, that's, he's paid to make them decisions. Um, before we go on to a predicted lineup for Man United, I've got to touch on this Alejandro Garnacho tweet. Over the Anana save. I mean, look, I'm not here to protect Man United. I love Man United getting negative press and uh, being seen in a bad light. And I love beating Man United. But my God, if there was ever a club that just didn't need some negative press like this at the wrong yeah. time, what on earth went wrong there? I know there's different um, languages, foreign players that that can be seen as affectionate. But what on earth was he doing? Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of players don't control their own social media accounts. So whether he actually did it himself or not is a different story. But like you said, 
whether there was any malice behind it or not, which it doesn't oh, sound. Oh, there wouldn't be, would there? No. Oh, still, it might even be a little... Well, this account should have, should have known better of all the emojis to use that you can use. There's thousands of emojis. And if it means strength and power, I'm sure you can use lots of different emojis to represent that. The one that like does this. biceps or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, biceps, you've got the battery, you've got the little lightning start sign, anything that represented it. That, Like you said, it's just hot water we didn't need. So, yeah, it's another thing that the club have to deal with. And in Ten Hag's defence, it's another thing that he is out of his control that he has to now go and manage, and it, it becomes a negative distraction in press conferences and preparations for games. Yeah. So it's just, just not when ideal. you didn't need it most, yeah. isn't it? With all the Anthony, obviously Ronaldo before him, Greenwood, the, there's Greenwood. been loads for him to it's deal like, with. Yeah, like and that's where I do emphasize. Of, it's that's like where I do in control of Garnacho's Twitter. <laughs> exactly yeah i do empathize with tenog on that side yeah i do um he's had a lot of to, to deal with and some most of the things he's dealt with pretty well um but like you said i'm sure he more than anyone just wants to concentrate on the football the lineups he's picking and the tactics and this is a huge game for him tomorrow make no mistake about it i know we're massive underdogs but you know what the United faithful are like. There's no way we want to just go into this game and just lay down and take a smack in because that's just not going to go down well with anyone. The minimum the fans want to see is like a, a, a particular effort level that shows that we care about the result, care about not being beaten heavily. And we want to we want to at least compete in tomorrow's game. So it's huge. The boys have got to be up for it, whoever he plays. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see you tomorrow at 3.30. Nice one. Lineups, who's fit and who's not? Um, give me what you think will start, not who you'd start. Who, what do you think Ten Hag will go with? Do you think he'll change his shape a bit? Four, two, three, one, four, diamond, two. I think he'll go with pretty much what he's been going with because, like, I think I, I can't see the back five changing because, like you said, with the injuries we've got. There's, there's no so back in the week. Yeah, he came back oh. in against Copenhagen, so I expect him to play left back. Wambasaka's back training, but it's too soon for him. So I think it will be Dallo, Varane, Maguire's played the last two games. I expect them to to start with an honor and goal. The midfield is a tricky one. I think Casemiro's still out. Is is touch and go apparently, but unless he's been saved for this game. That might be the only change that I can see, but I think Amrabat sort of has to play in there for the legs element. Um, Bruno's going to play, so really it leaves one other. So that pro that person is probably going to be McTominay because he's been playing and he's been scoring. So that midfield three probably picks himself. Like you said, he might throw a surprise, drop Anthony and play somebody tucked in off the right like Mason Matt. But I don't. The only way we're going to win the game is on the counter attack if we're going to win the game. So. He's going to need as much width and as much like penetration in wide areas as possible. So I can see Anthony playing with Rashford and Hoyland definitely starts. So I can just see him playing the same team, to be honest with you. Are you the same, Naz? I'm pretty much the same. Yeah. I mean, the only one I would have thought was, you know, when you were talking about Casemiro and if it was a 4-2-3-1, Trevor wouldn't even surprise me if he brings in Casemiro for this, even if he's not ready. If he can get 60 minutes off him, it wouldn't surprise me if Ten Hag will bring him in for this game and maybe get Amrabat to sit next to him. Something different. Amrabat to sit right next to him, Bruno in front, and then Anthony Rashford Hoyland. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me. And yeah. I think Tomine would be a great shout because Manchester Derby, local boy, 
And he always yeah. shows passion in this target. It doesn't matter. Well it, doesn't Mm. Yeah, he'll stick his foot in, and he doesn't care if he gets a yellow card straight away. But he'll be he'll be one that shows the grit. So it wouldn't surprise me. But um, my score predictions. Yeah. Um, now, in fact, sorry, not score predictions. I want to ask you to. I've seen some people on Twitter saying we've dodged a bullet with Amrabat and his crap. What's your two thoughts yeah. on him? I haven't watched enough. I haven't seen the last few United games, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, with Amrabat, um, I think, I don't know, I think before we bought Amrabat, I think the the perception that people had with him was that he was this all-action midfield player who runs around, goes smashing into people, tackles and stuff. To me, he doesn't look like that type of player at the moment. Um, it looks like somebody that likes to get on the ball, keep things ticking, switching things from side to side and being a little bit of an outlet. I don't, I'm not sure about him getting the ball off the back four and sort of dictate and play from deep, whether that's longer passing or, I mean, it is, he was renowned for his passing range in Italy, but we've not really seen that yet. I think he's one of those players who just likes to keep the temper of the game, likes to calm things down. He's quite a little bit of a calming influence on the team so i think there's more to come from him i think it's way too early to judge him and start calling him crap he's not he's definitely not crap at all and i think we've seen some good elements of him i think this could be like the making of him this game do you know what i mean i think if he can show tomorrow if he can put himself up against the likes of bernardo silvers and fodens or whoever they're going to play in there and rodri and that and go toe to toe with them then I think this could really be the catalyst for his career to really launch. But yeah, he's certainly a different type of midfielder than I sort of expected. I thought he was going to be like, have three lungs basically and be everywhere, but he's not that type of player. I'm not criticising him for that. He's just not that type. He, he looks, a, well, the way we're using him, he looks a little bit more like a sitter. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, I agree with Trav on that because... We saw, I think, we, I don't know if you guys have seen the clip where he's chasing down Mbappe and makes that slide tackle just on the edge of the area. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, oh, my God, what a great tackle and everything. That was the World Cup. Now, what people are seeing, like in Italy, he was a tenacious guy, but he gave the ball away a lot. He likes to dictate play more. But I like Trav said, I don't know what he's like with his um, back towards goal and receiving the ball from the keeper or the centre-backs. Um, however, his stats have improved. Since he's moved into that DM role, since Casemiro has been out for the past couple of games, his stats have been really good. His passing range has been better than Casemiro's. So, I mean, I think it was the Wolves game, Trev, where Casemiro was just launching the ball everywhere. Yeah. We just lost control in that midfield. Arabat doesn't do that. Like, if you analyse Casemiro's last couple of games, his positional play in attacking, instead of being slightly behind the central uh, uh, midfielders, um, um, Casemiro was in front of them and on the edge of the area, and we were exposed at the back. Amrabat doesn't allow that. He drops in a bit more. It's like when Casemiro did it at the minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When Casemiro did it last season, and it worked so well. Amrabat literally gets the ball, passes it off. That's that's what he does. It keeps the ball moving. I, would, I wouldn't like to say Carrick esque, but mm. Carrick used to get the ball, pass it, keep that midfield ticking. Now we need a workhorse next to him, and I think that could be someone like Bruno and Mount. They can do the they can do the box to box stuff, but going by crap, definitely not. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And I can't say that because look, we've got Amrabat. Oh, he's, already, <laughs> he's already got it. Man. You went for that one quickness. 
Never <laughs> had to. I had to. You're yeah, backing I, your boy for sure. Um, that probably sets up nice. Is Amrabat a done deal on loan now? But it's a done deal. You're buying him in the summer, no matter what happens. Um, Trav, I don't know if you've heard a few bits and bobs, but I've heard something that if he reaches a certain amount of starts, yeah. it's an obligation to buy. But I don't don't know if it's confirmed or whatnot at all. I haven't seen anything else. I've just seen rumors. Yeah, I, th- I think I think United will will sign him permanently, and providing Ten Hag's still there, um, yeah, I think I think without a doubt that he, that they will sign him. He'll, he'll come out of next year's budget as well from a midfielder. I mean, I don't know how many midfielders, more midfielders, we think we need because if you think about it, we've signed Mount as a supposed number eight as well. So since his time forgetting Sabitzer's loan as well. That would have been five midfielders he's signed in two years. Like, like, we really don't need, we shouldn't need any more midfielders if we bought the right players. But like you said, I mean, Casemiro now, 31, people are questioning him. There's questions over Amrabat. Mount's not really looking well in that role. You've got Ericsson's legs that people are questioning. So are we really going to have another midfield rebuild again next year? Like, it, it, surely not. After I don't the financial think, outlay, sure. I don't not. think we're going to have a rebuild, Trav. I, I reckon Ericsson might be done uh, in terms of big, purely because of his legs. He's a mm. quality player. His passing range, his dead ball um, deliveries, and that are decent. But then I see him blending in Hannibal and Menu. And I think that's for the reason where if Ericsson goes, we've got a replacement there. We've got Mount there. Uh, we've got Bruno. Like we've still got Van der Beek, like he's here still. Oh, yeah. him. I forgot about it. <laughs> like we've got Van der Beek. Ten Hag as well. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I, I mean, I look at the options in midfield, and there's a lot of quality there. Whether you can make a three that's like a title challenging blend, I think that remains to be seen. Hopefully that can develop into that again. Like you said, if Ten Hag can get a stranglehold of the way we play and we sort of put a midfield together. But I mean, at the, I think Bruno Fernandes, I just want to touch on as well. And he is a player that his productivity, I'm a huge fan of. But quite recently, in the last three, four, five games, he's literally played like the balls of grenade. It's mental. Like he's just launching it everywhere. And I'm just like, is this manager's instructions or is it him? Because I don't know if it's the captaincy that's given him this freedom to think he can do what he wants on the pitch. But he is killing a lot of the attacks as well. Like he's getting it in pretty decent positions, whether that's advanced or from deep. No one around him under no pressure. And it's just a 50-yard swaz straight to the opposition. And I'm just like, what was the thought process behind that? Like, I can't, I don't get it. So I think Tenag really needs to put a rocket up him as well. And he needs to sort his performances out because he's quick to moan at other people. But I think he, need, as captain, he needs to take responsibility of his own performances, get that right. And then people will start feeding off that. But I think, again, his performances remain a lot to be seen as well, Bruno Fernandes. If I could... Uh, just before we go... Just sorry, Naz. Sorry, Scott. If I could just touch on that. What Trav said, spot on. If you see Bruno Fernandes for Portugal, he's different. He's that instrumental player in the midfield. So I think what Trav said about uh, Ten Hag sending a rocket up his backside, 100%. Because I think he thinks, Bruno thinks, sorry, that the responsibility for every single goal, every single assist has to fall on him. 
And I yeah. think that's what he's doing. He's using his Hollywood ball, just launching it 70 yards up the field, just hit and hope. He needs to rein it back it's a bit. It's so frustrating, ain't it, to see, man? It is. It really, really is. And I think if he reins it back in a bit, realises that he can trust his other teammates around him to play that killer ball, then it will take a little bit of pressure off and you'll see a better performance from Bruno. Um, I just had one question that's come to me, Trav. I want you to cast your mind back to three years ago. Ollie, uh, and I think I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to ask you it again. Is mm. this worse than under Ollie? This style, this the the performances, the effort, the shape, the organization, the yeah, drive. I, yeah, I think the performances are worse than Ollie. The, the reason I say that is because, like, even under Ollie, we we were a blatant counter-attacking team. I were, I, and I know people are going to say, well, Ten Hag's home record was imperious when he lost one game, which it was. Granted, I mean. In, in the same respect, Ollie's away record was pretty similar. We went a whole season unbeaten away with Ollie. But I think it was blatantly the ex, I think what, what disappoints people the most about Ten Hag is the expectation level we had of him before he was appointed. I think people expected a certain level of performances when this manager came in. And then and I'm not saying it was necessarily a narrative or agenda, but the message was when Ollie got sat, is that we had a talented squad. It just needs a manager who can come in and work with some of this talent with his own talent. So the the, the blame wasn't necessarily about the players when Ollie was in charge. It was that we needed a top class manager to knit this together and add some of his own talent. So for Ten Hag to come in and into the start of his second season, look, the results were brilliant. We got to two cup finals. The results were great. We finished third. There was a feel good factor. But I think the drop off has been just too big. Like, it's, it's been an astronomical drop-off. And I think what's confused the fans the most is that they literally can't see the direction the team is going in in terms of the way we play. So back to the question you asked earlier, I would be happy to finish outside the top five, like Arsenal did, if I could see the way we were trying to play. Like, I keep using that Liverpool as the example, but when Liverpool were reaching Champions League finals and stuff, and like Carrius and Clavin... Clav Carrius was throwing it in his own net and it was just like, right, we just need top quality now. We've gone as far as we can with this team. Let's just go and get Van Dijk and Allison, and we should start winning stuff and that level of player. I, I don't think this has been maxed out. I'm not watching the performances and saying, do you know what? If we just had three top quality players in those positions, that would be the icing on the cake. I'm not seeing much with the performances. So at this moment in time, I think the performances are worse than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's. Do you want anything to say on that Nazo sheet? Will we go straight to score predictions? Do you want to retort to Travis? No. Do you know what? I'm not going to shoot Trav down on this because I kind of agree. We were a counter-attacking team. We've changed to a possession-based team. We are uh, retrieving the ball higher up the field. I think the stats I saw yesterday were we're number one in retrieving it in higher in the final third and number one retrieving it in midfield. It's just at the back. It's just the circus. But what I think, Trav hit the nail on the head. I do think the performances compared from this season to Oli's season, Oli was doing better. He was a counter-attacking team. And the reason why people were more in for Oli is he's a club legend. So I think he got more time than he should have got. Yeah. Um, and 
I just hope, hope, because Oli was there for what? Uh, Trap three seasons? Two and a half yeah. seasons? Two and a half, yeah. Yeah, so we're approaching one and a half for Eric Ten Hag. So it seems like the script is already written, as it is for all of our previous managers since Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, it's when the performances go bad, people start wanting change. But like Trap was saying, a few changes could cha- could make everything work. And I, I just don't know if Ten Hag himself is too stubborn to see that or too stubborn to change that and wants people to fit in into his philosophy rather than using it, um, the players to their potential. Yeah. That's that's where I'm seeing it. But I'm still in the Ten Hag in camp. And uh, I do think Solskjaer's performances, when I was watching Solskjaer play, some of the, the big games, I knew we were going to do well. The last thing I wanted to go on to as well before the score prediction, Scott, very quickly, just touching on what Naz said about the stats. Do you know what worries me about those stats, about the high regains in midfield and attack? If you think about the teams we've actually beat, we beat Wolves, we beat Burnley, we beat Sheffield United, we beat Brentford, and we beat one other team that I can't remember off Forest. the top of my head. Forest. So that just goes to show that those teams are having the ball too much. The rest of the games we've lost, do you know what I mean? We've lost to Brighton. Any half-decent team, we've lost those games. Brighton, Spurs, Arsenal and Crystal Palace. I know Crystal Palace was the anomaly out of that. When well, you map it out, Trav, it's honking, really. We're regaining the ball against yeah. teams that shouldn't have the ball against us that much. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's the other side of it. We should be having more possession against them teams. Yeah. And they should be trying to regain it against us. So what does that tell you? That the opposition that we're playing against are having the ball far too much against us. So that is an issue in itself from them stats. So no, there are positives that you can take from it. Like you said, we're obviously setting traps and stuff, but I think the, it, it's showing that Ten Hag is encouraging the other team to have possession of the ball. And we're saying as fans, yeah. no, Forrest shouldn't be having the ball against us that much. And Wolves and United. So, yeah, I think he needs to change his whole approach to those games. I, I agree. I agree. Right, I'm going to head it because I'm not a Man United fan. I'm going to go 3-1 City. And the reason why I'm going first is because sometimes you two sway me with your um, explanations of why you've gone for a, a score and I don't want to be swayed. I, I think it'll actually be a close game. Um, where it'll go one each, 2-1 to City, and then I think they'll just get the third. I think it'll be a close game, 3-1 City. Obviously, Haaland, the robot, will score. Alvarez, I've got him in my FPL team, so I'm hoping he bags. Um, but yeah, Naz, you're the guest. Score prediction. Um... I'm going for a draw. I'm going to go with 1-1. 1 I've got to back my team. I can see United sitting in deep and making City break them down, make forcing City to break them down. But the funny thing is, I do think City will break us down. And <laughs> Only once. That's, well, I'm hoping it's only once, all right, Scott? Only one, just hoping. But like Trav said, Oli was a counter-attacking team, and I think we're going to set up like that because our players are not great on the ball, um, ret- retaining the ball, to be honest. They, it's like a hot potato. As soon as they get it, they want to get rid of it without seeing where it's going to. And I think City will pick us off on that front only. Um, like the FA Cup final was close, and it was 2-1 to City from two mistakes. I think it could be similar again. City are not firing at the moment. Fair enough. Trav, Naz has gone big. Draw at OT. Yeah, I think... I can see City 
I think the the approach the the way the game's going to go, I think, is pretty obvious. Like you said, City are going to dominate most of the game. It's whether we've got the punch on the counter attack to like to be able to respond, and 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 are we clinical enough? Do you know what I mean? And and can we stay in the game long enough for somebody like Garnacho to change the game like last year? I think the the pattern of the game is going to be the same, and you, you could see from last season the Bruno incident sort of changed the game. City battered us for seventy minutes. Let's be honest; there should have been a couple of goals up, and they didn't. I just think this time it's going to be a little bit more. It's going to be a little bit different because I just don't think we've got the confidence to capitalize on the counter. So, unfortunately, I'm going to go three 0 City. Sad to say, man, and it, it's sad, but yeah, I to... <laughs> a big exhale from Naz. <laughs> I'm gonna go for a comprehensive city win, and it's it's sad, but yeah, it's not I, gonna be pretty. I don't think we've got enough, like because, like you said, when you're a counter-attacking team, you've got to be solid, you've got to be hard to beat. And Tenar keeps coming out in his press conferences saying that we're hard to beat, we're not conceding many goals. But like the last three teams we've played have been Burnley, Sheffield United, and Copenhagen. I don't think they've scored more than Big two teams. goals in a game or two. Big. <laughs> this is what Big I'm saying. Style. So like. Yeah, this is the litmus test to see what sort of character and resolve we've got. There's no bigger game, do you know what I mean? And we've got to start fast because the crowd, I must say the crowd against Copenhagen, it, it was so flat, but the players have got to inspire the crowd and give some give them some energy and something to give them belief and optimism about. And and there was nothing on Wednesday. So if we've got if we start the game in the same fashion, first 10, 15 minutes and it's edgy and it's rocky. City will just love that. And if they get an early goal, then it could be dangerous times for United. The crowd will be right up for it. I always remember that um, win against Liverpool, third game of the season last season, after losing against Brighton and Brentford yeah. pretty comprehensively yeah. as well. Definitely against Brentford. And the crowd were absolutely toxic. They were jumping. I think the crowd won you that game. Um, and I think they'll be the same tomorrow. Need that um, it's the Manchester derby. And yeah, my God, you need it. Gents, thanks ever so much for the time. All the talking's been talked. Um, let's see how the game goes, see if we can go on for a live match reaction tomorrow night, six, seven o'clock, if you are about. Mm. Um, but yeah, let's watch it and enjoy it. Cheers for joining. Naz, thanks for joining again. We'll see you on the next Man United poddy for certain. Trav, cheers, cheers, lads. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Oh, you beauty! What a headshot!